commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright side of the galaxy, I'm Grass Combat, and you're listening to Core World News, your whole news show in depth coverage for the latest stories from around the galaxy. Now, your new second rundown for October 23rd, 2020. Fistful of Beska. Fascinating facts. But first, Ewan McGregor does characters for the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Now, if you host, Ben Grant and Adam, to discuss this exciting news. All right. Thanks so much, Grex. We're excited yeah. to be here with you for another week of Core World News. Um, and yeah, actually, this little nugget just fell out of nowhere uh, about um, Ewan McGregor was on the set of The Mandalorian, which was somehow kept from all of us. And uh, apparently, Deborah Chow pulled him in, uh, pulled him aside to do a camera test with his, with some costumes and stuff um what take me there if if y'all were on set uh adam and grant and and like just saw ewan mcgregor roll through to go backstage and then i don't know maybe put on a obi-wan kenobi costume how would you feel yeah i feel like it was might have been like a almost like a like a religious experience for the people yeah, on set like i, I imagine body. like yeah. hushed tones and everyone like slowly following and everyone just gathering around as all as he's doing is putting on robes and probably standing in front of the volume, right? Just doing whatever. But he's also a ham. So I'm sure he did some Obi-Wan like yeah. things. Yeah. Well, the wonderful thing about the Mandalorian is they actually created Tatooine in the right. Volume. So they have already yeah. built the landscapes of Tatooine uh, with the stagecraft technology uh, within yeah. that stagecraft yeah. technology. And uh, so I wonder if they projected that background I, and eventually geez. did the camera tests with those backgrounds. And um, and I also heard and then quote, everyone died. I yeah. mean, yeah, <laughs> oh, everyone oh, just melted at that point. Yeah. But um, I also heard that it was his old costume. Yeah. Yeah. Modeled after the costume from the prequels, which is that's pretty special. I mean, that, for an actor to return to a role and kind of it jumped back into these robes. That's, that's pretty special. Yeah. So two big things from direct from Ewan McGregor's mouth in this um, interview that we're not citing at all um, was he, uh, he said one, I think they're going to be using some technology from the Mandalorian, which actually goes to your point right there, Grant, that makes a lot of sense that they would have used the volume to put him in Tatooine because why wouldn't you do that? Um, but he did yeah. specifically mention they're probably going to use the volume. Um, but he he also said they yeah he's like oh look it's my old costume yeah um, which sort of lends credence to some theory when we talked about this show earlier where we think there might be flashbacks right like yeah actually I mean there's rumors Hayden Christensen is involved in this series too they might have some sort of flashback outtake stuff like interaction between Hayden Christensen and Obi Wan Kenobi which would. Also, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the crescendo of this series has something to do with Darth Vader. Yeah, I it agree wouldn't be surprising that. at yeah. all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Part of me also wonders that you have your actor in costume on set shot in front of a production of of Tatooine. You know, Obi-Wan's going to be the next series you're going to premiere on Disney Plus. Do we get a teaser image at the end Ooh. Of the Mandalorian, does it? Do we get like a coming twenty twenty one Kenobi? That would like, be awesome. How do you not do that, right? Like, how do you not 
do that. It's see, come I, on, guys. I think, it's yeah, 2020. Like a blown teaser, like an actual, you know, teaser for a TV spot or either a sort of distributed viral teaser will appear around the time of Mandalorian season two, like as it's as it's airing. On yeah, Plus. you think it's airing? I, I think, think it's like tacked on to episode eight at the very end. I think that's it could what, be. I think we get a it post credit. Like it's twenty twenty. Closer to shooting it than you think. Like honestly, yeah. Especially certain uh, certain shots of maybe just him contem- being I mean, contemplative. I don't know. Yeah, or they they use like old dialogue of you know uh, right Sir Alec Guinness's yep. character oh, saying something, it. and you yeah. know, um, or even like Yoda from the prequels, sort of being like into exile, we must go, or some sort of you know they could just do something like that, and then show you and McGregor yeah. on on Tatooine looking it's, windswept. Right. It sounds as like as if you've actually seen several other Star Wars teaser trailers in the past. You know what? I I have uh, happened across a couple of those. Yeah. Um. Can we just go back to that Vader point right now? Because, yeah. Please. So, so we know that we saw, um, Darth Sidious, or like so when Obi Wan goes back to the temple in the middle of the yep. purge. Um, he sees video of of Anakin on his knees being dubbed Lord Vader, right? And then we, you know, he sees him slaughter young. Right. Yeah. So technically, he knows he is Vader. He knows he's fallen to the dark side, but he doesn't know he's Vader in the suit, right? And, and or that he's even necessarily. Well, I think this is, they said there's going to be a ten year jump, but I don't know. There could be some coinciding there where when he finally knows what Anakin's actually become now, where he is yeah. this animatronic yeah. lapdog for the dark side and that could be sort of it could be sort yeah. of leading to that point i mean i think we've talked about this before especially with grant's kind of pitch about about what a kenobi series might be but i just keep seeing him seeing from like behind or from the side watching an imperial or stormtroopers talking to vader on a holo like on a you know a projection right and just seeing yeah. the vader projection and just seeing it wash across his face like and and him maybe even just going Anakin, like just seeing what's become of Anakin, yeah, right. But yeah, it has to come in some proximity where well, I don't know because Vader does say he's like, yeah. he's he's like, I, I sense a presence that I've not sensed since, and he doesn't say right. when, right? He actually, so he could have sensed him at one point, but right. you'd think if he sensed Obi Wan Kenobi, he would send yeah. all his hounds, um, right. I think, again, I think it has to be inter- indirect, you know, yeah, to your point, Adam. I, I, I don't think they can have a direct interaction. Right. Because uh, I think it's and, and exactly to the quote you just stated, uh, Ben. It, it seems as if Vader didn't, you know, didn't think he'd ever see Obi-Wan again in that right. moment. I feel like, you know, he was yeah. kind of like, I hadn't sensed this feeling in a long time. Long like, it's time. obviously yeah. like, yeah, it must be since, you know, Mustafar, essentially. You know? yeah, yeah, that's always my interpretation. Yeah. Right. It's so weird that we could get so excited about hearing that a guy was on a movie set trying on a robe, but it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was giddy. It was the happiest yeah. I've been in four years. Yeah, just, just <laughs> and no, he he's a superb actor, and it, we're yeah. just Star Wars is blessed to have him. You know, do anything yes. in it. I, so. just I have no worries because we were talking a bit before, but like no matter how strong the scripts are or anything else might be. It's still Ewan McGregor playing Obi-Wan, and, like, that's enough for me. <laughs> like, that's yes. that's all I want. Yeah, it's enough. It's enough. It's great. Um, awesome. So that happened. And then, Are we uh, going to uh, get a beard? Are we going to get a beard, guys? Oh, yeah. yeah We're going to get a actually. handsome beard. He's, oh, yeah, yeah. he's going to be so handsome. There's going to be so much handsome. I, he was on this. Uh, he was on a show 
was it on Apple Plus or was it on Netflix where he was doing this like motorcycle tour around the world or something? It yeah. was this like ruling motorcycle thing, and my wife was watching it, and I refused to watch it. And I'm like, can you at least tell me if this thing is complete? Because he has to shoot Obi-Wan, and he's doing this daring motorcycle <laughs> thing. And if that jackass dies on a motorcycle before <laughs> like, Carly's yeah. like, calm down. It was like last year. He's fine. And I'm like, I'm just nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. You know what's another fun through line is, uh, you know that like strange like howl, you know? Uh, yeah, the great dragon howl. Yeah. yeah, it's a great dragon howl. Uh, yeah, uh, it's always my roar. interpretation. So, like, yeah. no, it, that's what's that's what's written, I think, in the novelization as well as the script is that it's the sound of a sort of dragon or a great great yeah. dragon specifically. And I was like, are they going to address that? Like how yes. he learned to oh. do that? Like, <laughs> yeah. is that is that the weird like you know uh, like on a retcon on yeah. like you know exploration of the past? Someone side teach him, yeah. you know, animal calls of Tatooine. Yeah. And one of them will be Crate Dragon. That'd be amazing if we don't actually see a Crate Dragon, but just him sitting with someone and then like learning the Crate Dragon call. It'd be the biggest tease of all time. And if you have a he's one hundred percent going to fight a Crate Dragon. That is going to I... be one episode. One yeah. episode will be the Crate Dragon or the Dragon or the Cave or something. Yeah, something. I if you have a couple of minutes, uh, watch the YouTube video of the like 10 different versions of the crate dragon call that has been through all the different right, versions of star wars it's amazing like hearing how much it's changed mm. over like 40 years yeah they've redone that like with every new release of star wars well uh that's fantastic um we'll we'll see something special there i I don't know. Would be would be great to see some more about that. Any teaser for that show? Yes, please, Deborah. Just just do it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Deborah Chow is excellent. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, that's more. also going to be. Yeah. If she's on there, it's going to be great. Yeah. Um. Good foundation. Good bones to that story. Um. So yeah. So this is that. And then there was another interesting article that got an interview. I think it was an Uprox interview um, with John Boyega, and they actually talked to him about Star Wars some more. Um, and actually, not not really surprising to me because I never, you know, he was like when he had said a while ago that he was done with Star Wars. I just sort of found that hard to believe. Like you, you always keep your options open, and he was so fantastic as Finn. Um, but they they brought up the Colin Trevorrow script. Which mm. is uh, really insightful of them. Um, we, for those avid listeners of ours, we also um, we actually had a specific Colin Trevorrow, John Boyega episode where you know they just happened to line up and with Boyega's comments about you know possibly being taken in a better direction, and so we looked at the the entire uh, Trevorrow script to sort of see what that would look like, and. In, and in this this recent interview, he confirms that, yes, he really liked the Trevorrow script and he liked yeah. the, the direction that his character was taken there, you know, holding a, a blue flag and sort of leading the armies um, in a rebellion or, or, or you know, against yeah, the, uprising, the first order uh, and uprising. Yeah. yeah, an uprising of first order troopers um, on Coruscant of all places. Um, yeah. And I agree that would be a very uh, that would have yeah. been a really fun scene to see. I love I love in JJ's script that he's force sensitive and I love what they did in Trevor's script and in a perfect world I feel like they could have merged both, both. of those. Yeah. Both. Yeah. We'll never know. Yeah. I mean there's yeah. a million factors that go into this. I you know I love JJ as a director and I, I really like the Trevor's script. Um you know like they, JJ elements. took some parts of it. Um yeah. but not not a lot. Um and that's his right. He gets to make the movie he wants to make, you know. Yeah. Um but he, 
Yeah, specifically stealing a Star Destroyer would have been fantastic. This yeah. uprising with um, would have been fantastic. I like the sort of crazy um, Sith demon and sort of omitting the um, Emperor, though now that I've seen it, I, I get it. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, what I was like nice what, about the Trevorrow yeah. script was... Uh, oh, sorry. I, uh, no, no, go for it. You go ahead. Go for it. Go no, ahead. all right. I was um, just going to say, it's going to be real yeah. short. I like what he did with Finn. Done. Go ahead, Grant. Um, I feel like... What's good about the Trevorrow script is that Finn seems to be the champion for like the rebel cause on Coruscant or, or wherever they are in the story that yeah, feels separate from Kylo and, yeah. and Rey. Whereas I feel like he's just above Kylo and Rey on Exegol, almost ancillary to the Kylo and Rey story. Whereas I feel like in the Trevorrow script, there's more substantial, I think, character development and like raw, raw moments for Finn. And I feel like that would have been really, really fun to see. And I think like that the future for Finn as a character in Star Wars should be I think bigger in a big way, like almost like overshadows any sort of Jedi character that's in the mix. So I yeah. hope, I hope that's what, you know, whoever's, you know, going to drive the vehicle going forward. I hope that's what they do with, with, with the Finn character because he, I mean, John Boyega's screen presence is undeniable. Like I think he, his screen presence, he's kind of upstages people if given, you know, just the right lines or, or just the, you know, the right amount of time on screen. Cause he's just, yeah. he's so captivating and, and just, prominent as an actor and i feel like you could give him more time and more substantial character growth and it would be i think a better film so i think some of the Trevorrow stuff lands i think better with me when i read that script uh for the finn character but i do like that jj had that sentimental heart and the the, the force storyline and yeah. the found family and everything everyone's you know everyone finding a family together was a really beautiful notion in jj's film but it felt a little meta like these are the actors all meeting each other whereas i feel like these characters really could have evolved in different ways a, you know, in the story universe. So right. that's an approach I don't think JJ seized that, that could have been interesting as well. Right. And yeah. I mean, JJ did a, a, a more nuanced version where, you know, Finn did lead an uprising of former um, stormtroopers, uh, first order stormtroopers, but they had already sort of converted as opposed to converting the stormtroopers himself. You, you, know? you know what never made sense to me is why they didn't in that moment say like because we just hear that like I guess it's supposed to be the force. This is why why Yana is it Jana Jana right? Yeah. Um and yeah. and the other stormtroopers revolted, but I I just would have loved that they're like well we heard about another who who rose up right this idea of like the oh, legend yeah, of like Finn yeah kind of went through the ranks and i thought that would have been a really interesting way to do that right so he kind of did it inadvertently right and this is why he kind of finds his way in. like i love the finn storyline of finding your way into being a hero that people don't just say it's actually the han solo story in a way retold through finn where it's just like like fate keeps pushing you in the direction of like keep going no you are a hero i know you don't think you are i know you don't think you have it but you are a hero like i love that idea of like keep pushing it until you realize you're a hero and that's what i love about in the rise of skywalker that he of all the characters i feel like is the one who's most in right after two movies of being not quite sure he is like he is the one right who truly believes in this cause and is willing to sacrifice himself at the very end to, to for the cause and i just love that with that character but there's stuff in there that I think could have been more. They could have given him so much more to do in that movie. Right, because I think it amounts to like him taking out a turret on that Star Destroyer, and that's kind of like 
Well, pointing the turret to take out the Star Destroyer. It could have been a really using the using the Force to find where the transmitter was or the yeah. I had had heard he used the Force in that moment, like uh, to turn a turret or to turn something, and like I don't. I heard heard he used he reached out telekinetically in like an uh, earlier draft of the script. Oh, interesting. JJ changed it, so it was too on the nose, too obvious because he really wanted to go subtle with that Force stuff. Yeah, yeah, but he was able to sense where the where the navigational beacon was being yep. transferred from um by however means whether it was sort of sensing the people aboard the ship or or whatever and um, that but was in com- when you have the when I, I mean unfortunately the Tavaro script leak and when you compare that scene to what happens in the Tavaro script what do you think's a bigger moment i feel like there's I mean, some striking imagery in the script bursting out waving like, oh. a flag with a battalion behind you is 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 a pretty giant moment yeah, yeah on coruscant on yeah post-apocalyptic coruscant yeah. surrounded by giant wolves I, mean, I feel like that is that takes over the there's more of us than them why right like that's your that's your heart moment in in that right. script right that's where you feel the people. So I feel like I feel like that's where that was in that movie, which I would have loved to see. You're 100 yeah. percent right. You're 100 percent right. Adam. It really just shifts the 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 mat, the kind of the people against the evil armada. It's it, it's that it's that storyline that's then depicted in the, the uprising with Finn. And right. And instead of Lando, instead of Lando's line, obviously. But, right. And Rose is core to that message, uh, core yeah. to that line as well, along with Finn. Oh, yeah. Um, doing you know she's very much a lead in that as well as we, yeah. we talked about and you know grant you were mentioning like how charismatic finn is on screen which is yeah. ironic because another part of this interview um finn mentions he would love to come back in for an animated star wars uh story mostly because he's like i wouldn't have to show up and do anything i could just <laughs> do this from my home oh, yeah. which i think we can all relate to right now um you know it, it seemed like more a throw-in line but to me that's enough and and i I, that confirms kind of what I thought, which is like, given the right circumstances, John Boyega would absolutely do. So another. you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like that's one the thing. A, like, it's a sliver of hope. Right. But like, yeah. what was all this actor, one in a million talk? Yeah. <laughs> every actor has been done with Star Wars at some point and every actor has been done with Star Trek at some point. But you know what? Yeah. They've always come back. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, that's exciting news to me. I, I love John Boyega. I love him in Star Wars. And um, let's just make more, you know. Yeah. Over the Rise of Skywalker. It was great. Fantastic movie. Loved him in it. Um, let's flesh out these characters even more and get some more great stories in live yeah. action. He did. Uh, and in that, sorry, I know you're just trying to like, oh, I almost had an out. But I just want to say in that comment, <laughs> he also <laughs> he also really did. He name checked Disney Plus. Which I thought was interesting in that in that yeah. comedy. He's like, I love what they're doing at Disney Plus. So like, he clearly has been watching and knowing that this is the future of Star Wars. Is there will be movies, but this this narrative telling, you know, long form stories. So I agree. That's how we flesh out those characters. So, cool. Yeah. No. Never. Never let me prematurely end a segment, Adam. I. I just <laughs> don't I worry. Cut me off. I just literally just thought of it. Why can't Finn be like the, the Kyle Katarn? You know, like. Uh, oh, that would be great. Transported, yeah. transported to, you know, the, the post-sequel trilogy era, you know, yes. like a sort of just have a lightsaber and a blaster yeah. and just run around the galaxy, you know, swashbuckling. Like, that's the Finn show I want. And that's yeah. right for animation. Or the Finn movie series. Like, that would uh, be I mean, it could be a series, honestly. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, like, I, they probably don't want to move forward with post-sequel trilogy storylines before like, they really have a powwow on it. But yeah, I guess. Right. 
Yeah, I guess it's an animated series for now, but nonetheless, that's kind of the direction Sorry. I would. You say Kyle Katarn, I can't imagine that in live action. My mind automatically goes to computer animation. <laughs> right, like bad graphic animation. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, that's a great call. It, he would be great for that in any medium. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, the closer you can get to live action, the better. And I, honestly, I mean, given the opportunity between like a feature movie or a series, Disney Plus series, I would pick series because that means right. more and that's right that's what i want i just want more star wars and that actually that was also in the um ewan mcgregor interview is he was like oh i was excited to find out they wanted to do a series instead of the feature that it was originally going to be because he's like it meant i get to do more yeah right. so um, essentially an eight-hour movie at that point yeah 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 exactly and that's good for fans and um if the you know if the actors are in for it that's even better let's do it um, anything else uh, before we move on here? Gentlemen? And another thing. No, I got nothing. All right, cool. Um, yeah, so some good little uh, information packets there. I'm tired of saying nuggets, so I'm going to say packets. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very Star Trek. Or knowledge Star Trek. nuggets. Darn it. Yeah, info packets. <laughs> and now, the fistful of Beskar. No, I'll do it. I'm, I'm taking like, that... some names, just like let's take it some names, man. No, I'm good. Taking that mild affirmation for absolute certainty. So there you go. Anytime you're ready. And go. <laughs> and welcome back to Core World News. And we're covering Mandalorian and Fistful of Beskar. We just got a new TV spot for the show uh, with uh, Monday Night Football. And, uh, there was pretty much it was a lot of the same footage we saw in the initial trailer we got uh, a couple months ago, but there were a few new tidbits. Um, one of the major uh, uh, things to note is we got the return of Horatio Sands. Yeah. Horatio Sands back in the Mandalorian, the Mithral character he played, I believe, in the first episode. In and yeah. just the first episode is back in the story. We saw like him the first out. scene of the first yeah. episode. Yeah. They're like, don't worry, Horatio Sands is back. I remember, I will tell the story a lot, but I remember being on a plane ride to the West Coast, watching this thing at like 6 a.m. and being on a, it was just sitting there going, is that, is that Horatio Sands from Saturday <laughs> Live? And then I was just like, again, I feel like Star Wars is really good at throwing me the first like couple of minutes into a new movie or TV show. So I was just like, what, what's going on? I don't know how I feel about about this and then like literally 30 seconds later I'm like no no I'm good with this but then ever so often I'm like it's Horatio Sands that's weird <laughs> it was weird how like a- aggressive they were in casting comedians like excellent mm-hmm. Bill Burr and yeah. two uh, Bobby Moynihan does a lot of yep. uh, work in um, Resistance and then as the Resistance well as, uh, and I think it's also VR. Yeah, the VR game the Batu game yeah right, the new Batu game that, just, that, that trailer just dropped as well uh, we probably could have mentioned that as a but first but um, maybe next sure. week we'll cover it Maybe. Uh, but yeah, so you're right, Ben. But I know there's other comedians. Oh, they had, um, oh, what's her name? A- uh, Amy Sedaris. Thank you. Yeah, that was. Yeah. That was, and then the um, the driver, the speeder driver in that. Oh, uh, Brian. Brian. Brian uh, uh, Hussein. Hussein. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. All, um, you know, great comedians, except for Bill Burr. Um, so that was really great. <laughs> what else do we get in this trailer? What else do we get in this TV spot? We got, uh, I guess, X Wings calling out the Razor 
crest. Yep. We got a lot of Cara Dune and Grief Karga. It looks like Mando's reuniting with Cara Dune and, and Grief Karga and kind of, uh, I guess, that, that trio is adventuring at some point. Well, yeah. so Or at least fighting back against Imperial. I'll, I'll let you go first, Adam. I have notes on this, but we might. Yeah, I have notes too. It'll be interesting to see if we're going to agree or disagree. I have a fee. I don't know how how central Cara Dune and Grief Karga are going to be into the season because I was kind of watching those ep- watching that and I feel like a lot of that could be part of a single episode's arc with those characters. I have a feeling this preview is actually not showing us a lot of what's going on this season. I think a lot of it's pulled from one or two episodes of the season pretty early on. That's my guess is that they're kind of doing the Force Awakens where they're showing us a lot from the first act of the season and not much from the second and third act. Right. And I have some evidence for that because so we see in the um, first in that like the first part of this, it's called the special Mandalorian special look. If you're Googling at home. Yeah. Also Um, call it trailer. But go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. But it was like special look. Like if you Google Mandalorian trailer, you get the trailer we saw before. But if you get special look, you get this. Um, And so we get an a voiceover of the Mandalorian saying I've been quested to bring this little one back to its people. But at the time he's looking at grief Karga and uh, Cara Dune. But we know that when he learned that he was quested to bring this little one back to his people, Cara Dune and grief Karga were in the room. So it, it doesn't make sense that he would be telling them that. Right. So he's telling someone else that he's telling someone else that. I yeah, think I'm in agreement with 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 you, Adam, in that we're not seeing a lot of the season here, and that that makes perfect sense because why would you show all your cards at this point? I mean, right. we've seen nothing from Moff Gideon, I really, in these in these trailers. You know, yeah. like, I, I mean, I imagine he plays a, a central role in the series as well. We've seen nothing, so I, I I think you're right in that this could just be the episode that takes place on Navarro, or uh, and then a little bit of an episode that maybe takes place on order of that that kind of like criminal you know not criminal world but that that kind of uh, it looks like a arid desert kind of industrial world where there's the looks seems like the boxing match the boxing match the yeah, the, is happening there yeah it's that planet and then we've also seen that that moncala that water world uh planet as well and uh and then navarro i think a lot of what we're seeing is also the planet we saw in the first season where yep. uh where that's where grief seems to be you know stationed or, or his home base is so it's like that's I feel like that that planet might come back in just the beginning of the series and then we might leave that planet and go to several other worlds we haven't even seen yet. So, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking you're right, Adam. Yeah, definitely. We saw, yeah, the water planet, the ice planet. We saw the more more in the hallways of what could be a Death Star or some sort of Imperial uh, location. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty great. We we also saw this is another good snippet from um, this piece. We saw the. uh Razorcrest being pursued by two X-Wings. But this time we heard some of the uh, ship-to-ship banter. And and it is, in fact, uh, going against what I thought it was. Um, the X-Wings are telling him to sort of stand down. Um, right. And and I was like, oh, but they aren't firing on him, so they might be they must be working together. But um, I think uh, it, 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 they are sort of pursuing uh, the Mandalorian, as it were, and he seems to be in a tight spot there. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that that is interesting that he, he's sort of on the wrong side of the new alliance um, in this episode. But we did see more of that um, in Atmo uh, starfighter chase. And it was really exciting in this one, like high speed through canyons, 
the X-Wings looked amazing. Um, it's fantastic. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was exciting. And that was a good uh, little little snippet of knowledge that we we got there. Yeah, that, that, that stuff was gorgeous. We see another shot, I think, of the Razor Crest descending towards that ice world, right? And then also, yeah, maybe Yoda stepping out onto the snow at some point. Yeah. yeah. Do we still think that's Ilum? Is that, I think we had speculated that earlier. Yeah, pre terraformed Ilum. That seems to be the kind of the, the running the running bet, but I mean, part so of what this I tell was, the story yeah. of Starkiller essentially, this show. It, it uh, could give a little a yeah. little info towards it. Like they might seize the beginnings of the terraforming. They are on a massive trench on an ice planet. I mean, maybe that trench is not is man made actually and, and, and right. not actually occurring. I mean and we have Moff Gideon running around, right? So maybe Moff Gideon was key in getting the and do you remember way back in season one we were told that we'd see the formation or the early days of the first order remember that that plot that storyline that came out that they that they were reporting on so Uh, yeah 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 so that might be this is where we're seeing it start to develop in season two right we see maybe moff gideon being brought into whatever this this thing is and it makes sense that even like it would make sense that the mandalorian might know that the remnants of the empire or the fall or the fallen empire into the first order are working on a project and why that project wouldn't be known to the rest of the galaxy because the mandalorian is not a person who like gossips right like he wouldn't go out there and tell the the hollow net news that they're doing this because he's just more about survival and taking jobs so it makes sense that if he gets in he understands these things that it doesn't necessarily become newsworthy right that's not his mission not his mission yet anyways it'd be interesting to see if he got folded into the rebellion as so many heroes do, but uh, probably not in this season, I'm guessing. Not yet, yeah. Uh, the internet went crazy over the possibility of ice spiders. Have you seen all those screen grabs? No. no. So there's a millisecond where he's working on the Razor Crest in the, in the ice uh, cavern. You see him like welding uh, on the Razor Crest. And right in the background, there's something in the background that's very. Uh, out of focus that looks like it has spindly legs it might be a dead ice spider of some kind so in fallen order do we fight ice spiders on ilum I, that's what i was trying to remember and and i don't i I've could not so many like star wars video games are all i know head, but i'm like i've definitely fought spiders oh you you face real spite like massive spiders on kashik right but yeah i don't think there's any combat other than imperial oh those no, those damn spiders and and on Kashyyyk, I have nightmares about those things. The spit yeah. fire, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they put you in webs, webs. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But not second... nothing on Ilum. Yeah, yeah. I think there's. I found out you can actually deflect their webs, hmm. or there's actually a way to to fight those things where you can actually like block their some of their attacks, um, and and they're actually. But yes, they gave me so many. They gave me fits in the first playthrough. I digress. Um, I googled ice. I googled ice spiders in Star Wars. You know, this yeah. is our. This is our. Uh, this is our solid newsroom. Yeah, yeah. Relying yeah. on <laughs> googling fast. real time. This is exciting. This is cutting edge, bleeding edge news happening as you're listening. And apparently, there were ice spiders in um, Rebels on one of the worlds they're going to. That's mm-hmm. not helpful. I had it and Could I lost be. it. Stand by. They they had that in their planet where they find the Bendu. There were spider-ish creatures there, but they weren't ice spiders. Yeah. And there's yeah. no... 
Nothing on Lothal. I'm trying to think what other ice planets it went to, but... What if Camino froze over? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's uh, tinfoily, Grant, but um, that's the kind of stuff that I love to hear from you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we got Ice Planet. We don't know where it is. I would love it to be a brand new planet, honestly. I hope so. I always, you know, my vote's almost always for brand new planet. Like, I, there's a lot I love in when they go to Tatooine in the first season. Well, actually, there's kind of one thing I love, and that's when he just turns around, there's a Tusken Raider there. Yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah, so good. but otherwise, and they go to the bar, which is fun. But sometimes it just feels a little too fan servicey when they go back to old planets, you know, where I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to love this. It's like when a commercial like actively makes you cry and you know, they're manipulating you and you get angry at the commercial for doing that to you. That's sometimes how I feel like when Star Wars <laughs> goes to like, like, you know, that's going to get me. That's not fair. You're not even trying. Um <laughs> Yeah, I have to say that's definitely my favorite thing. And actually, I was thinking about it when we were talking about Obi-Wan in the last segment, um, where Obi-Wan kind of has an adversarial relationship with the Tusken Raiders um, yeah. in A New Hope. and um, But the Mandalorian like speaks to them as equals and knows their language, their hand signal language, um, which is yeah. sort of a different thing. And I, I adore the fact that he was able to barter with them as yeah. opposed to just getting mauled and taken out by them. Um, that was great. And the the it is great. The one thing I also want to mention too is like one thing we don't want to necessarily ignore is that we know that the fledgling Mithral played by <laughs> Fraser Sands is coming back. The last time, the first time, and the only time we saw him was on the ice covered planet of Maldo Crease. Oh, there right? we go. Yeah. So there's always a chance it's just a planet we've already been to. We know we're going back to a lot of the other planets, so maybe it's just Maldo Crease. I hope not, but that's a possibility, right? Maybe that's just the most... Maybe that's Octum's Razor, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, the galaxy's huge for a reason, and I think Filoni understands that, and Favreau understands that, and it's sort of the bigger they can make the galaxy, the better it is. So we'll see, but I mean, if you're... I mean, if if we're going to follow this path as far as, like, what are these mainstays of the Jedi mythology you know, six years post Return of the Jedi, it makes sense we're going to see some places we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, Ilum would be an exciting one um, Yeah, to see. Yeah, it wouldn't really make sense for it to be Hoth. It doesn't really look like Hoth is more snow than ice. No. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, um, but it, it'll be nice to see, you know, I mean, I, I don't necessarily, well, we can't really go to Dagobah because Yoda's actually there. Um, unless actually. No, no he's, he's not there at all. No. He's dead. He's oh wait, he's dead. He's, right, he's, he's, dead. Force. he's with the force. We're right. that, yeah, the the he's Star Wars. A, I, I, I do think he might might appear at some point in the series. It make it would make sense. I'm honest. Right. That you were actually you had you had said Grant that it would be interesting. Long ago, I thought it would be interesting. Him. Yeah, if, if the, the child, child went there, yeah, li- inhabited that hut or something like that. Right, and maybe he was like brought under the tutelage of Yoda. I mean, that yeah, of you know, Force Ghost Yoda. That'd be pretty interesting but it's a lot of fan it's a lot of fan service i feel like and a lot of people wouldn't like that people like all new storytelling with new you know themes. right but if that's season four or five i could probably get behind it but i feel like the first season of mandalorian hit that sweet spot of fan service and all new storytelling right like like as much as i said that before like enough of the storytelling on tatooine was new 
that it didn't bug me that much, right? Like really we got two to me, I think in that episode we got two points of fan service going to the bar and the Tuscan Raider popping up. Other than that, right? Like it's all kind of it's not like and look at this. Yeah, oh, we also got, we also had pit, kinda, yeah. We also got pit droids. There's a lot of fan service in the in that episode. And right. baby it, Bobby it, didn't, it didn't hold a lot of weight in the story, though. I mean, like, if, no. it, to just say that baby Yoda would go inhabit the hut that Yoda lived in is like so directly, <laughs> it's yeah, true. you know, story centric. That, <laughs> that is a lot. Like, that is a lot. <laughs> That's like yeah. a Family Guy level. Fair parody. enough. <laughs> but um, Family Guy level. All right. Uh, no, nonetheless, it's, it, there's you could chicken. do it. I, I think there could be a way to do it. But nonetheless, it's no, I don't like it. But do you guys think that? Baby Yoda is supposed to represent the Jedi in any way, especially with how with the rhetoric around the child and, and where it has to go and the quest and whatnot. Like, do you guys think that he, that the, the child represents the Jedi? I think in his purest form, right? Yeah. This is, you know, I forget which. I think it was, um, uh, Freud was right that said that uh, language was the first destroyer. Like the the first, you know, like crime against humanity. Like he's he's pure Jedi. He doesn't even speak. He's just is the force. You know, yeah. he's he's a pure being. The force runs through him. He doesn't really control it as much as it's just a natural instinct. Right. Which, you know, it's really interesting. And I also think that Jin Jaren is like the natural representation of the Mandalorians. Right. He's solo. He's alone. He He's questing. He's taking on jobs. Like he's battling beasts. So is that what this whole storyline is? Is like because they've also in in lore, and they've also like, both suffered from a purge. Like that might yeah. be a connection right there. Is like yeah. the child might be wrapped up in the the feelings of of, of all this loss as well. Yeah, as his that's own, really uh, interesting. You're right. Loss. They've both been both their 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 cultures or races have been purged. Plus those those cultures have been in old canon. It seems somewhat in this seen as as um polar <laughs> opposites as fighting each other right as as being being a, a war in the past so maybe that's where the story is going is we have these two individuals kind of in some ways not entirely but almost like the last of their culture or maybe the last pure aspect of their culture having born enemies having to learn to become one new thing right one new clan which is really interesting storytelling right this idea of like how do these opposites get along Especially if we retroactively go back and explore Mandalorian Jedi conflicts of the past, and you figure yeah. out maybe the Mandalorians and Jedi were in conflict long ago, and then to see this story, it's so beautiful that two, you know, warrior uh, classes can get together and be best friends, be be basically a father son. Right. Yeah, I mean, it could be something in the future. I mean, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, you know, maybe they are the the two people that bring these two classes together, and that's what sets a new trajectory for the new Jedi, newest Jedi order. Yeah, I mean, you know, to the in, in sync with the Mandalorians. Yeah, to the fact that the point where the last true Mandalorian is willing to sacrifice himself for the last true Jedi, right? In yeah. that, in the very episode, the last episode of season one. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that might play again at the end of this entire season. It was a sacrifice. yeah play between those two it's a in some uh, way careful though because if we do that then then it's gonna turn to the show supernatural where every single season ends with someone sacrificing themselves for someone <laughs> else <laughs> and 15 seasons later but by the way having just rewatched just watched the newest episode we're back around to the same story again <laughs> that's such a niche audience actually that's probably all of our people in spain but it's right <laughs> <laughs> 
We love I you, love Spain. It. I love um, it. Yeah. Um, far out. Um, any other? Uh, we saw Jetpack. We yeah. Jetpack usage here. So cool. that's still going strong. Yeah. Lots of good stuff. I mean, I, I, you know, this, this trailer really just extended a lot of the scenes we saw in the first trailer. I'm sorry, the special look really extended a lot of the scenes we saw in the first trailer. <laughs> Preferred nomenclature, please. Well, I also, to <laughs> Ben's point, for Googling, as someone who struggled actually to find it, it is very important to Google special look Mandalorian season two. Yeah, I'm convinced I'm I'm commenting on a different trailer altogether, so I apologize. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, you, if you saw Horatio Sands, you saw the right trailer. <laughs> All right, good. The half a millisecond he's on screen. Um, we also heard some music that, I mean, you never you can never trust um, trailer music, but we had that great, like, techno, like, um, stuttered uh, electronic sound, and then it goes into, like, probably the biggest, most cinematic, like... Um, orchestral music we've ever heard associated with the Mandalorian. Um, what, what did you think about the music in this trailer? Oh man, blown away. Like when you hear Mando, the Mando theme, it's just so much more, I guess, blaringly loud and just, yeah. Uh, prominent. You feel like he's just in this, in this season, he is just going to be this rising hero, or at least he's going to rise to some, some major conflicts and, and fight through yeah. them and just do some, you know, he's doing, do some heroic stuff in this season. I'm. I hope they do the same thing this season, where they release, where Ludwig releases every week, kind of the the soundtrack to that week. Because I forgot how much I love just building that soundtrack week to week and just listening to yeah. it at the build. Because, man, I I, I mean, again, longtime listeners will know if you go back to this kind of Fourth of July episode, we did a special on Ludwig and kind of listening to that. Um, I, his music's just amazing, and it's it's so star wars without sounding to anything like george or, or uh yeah uh, 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 uh he's so good he erased the name of the best composer john williams, film john thank you john williams <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i remember when we speculated on this show way before its release and i was i, I think yeah. one of the one of the speculation points i thought we would, the show would dive into was kind of mandalorian culture and explore Mandalorian culture in, in the sort of like the nativism approach where it's like their most, you know, their most raw or purest, you know, tribe on the, maybe their mm -hmm. home world or something like that and really get into their, their ideas and their culture and, and explore that. And I almost, I, I wanted almost there to be like a native American parallel, but, uh, and we do get a little bit of that in the Tatooine episode we just talked about yeah. where, I mean, Mando seems to be connected to the landscape and the people and the, yeah. and the we... ecology. And we might get more of that this season, right? Because a lot of the story is this this the Mandalorian being quested to bring his bring <laughs> the child back. But like that part of that thing is I have to find more Mandalorians, right? His tribe right. has been wiped out and he's searching the galaxy to find it. And you can almost see this, this story being told in the right. Americans, right? Like America's like a a lone Native American who's tries to wipe out searching for the remainder of his of his ilk, right? Like right. And yeah. then the, I think the show doesn't didn't really like uh, jump into those ideas that we no. were speculating about, but the music does. The music yeah. does in a yeah. big way, and I yeah. think that is. I think some of the most superb storytelling is done through music in this show, and I think, I think a lot of the Mandalorian culture and roots are being established with that music, and I hope we that music evolves with the Mandalorians in future stories. Basically, I mean, that that type of music, the those instruments that the Ludwig's using. Maybe That's... I'm just getting 
overhyped with all this, but is the Mandalorian the closest thing to like the original Star Wars in terms of like in terms of like Kismet putting together storytelling, director, composer, actors together in this in this combination that just feels almost like perfect in a weird way. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Star Wars is amazing, but like to have all those elements just just like kismetly like that's not even a word work together perfectly i just think back to that of just like i there's so much i wanted from the mandalorian and it gave me i don't think anything that i wanted but everything that i needed in a weird way like it's not the show is at all expecting it's, but man it's kind of perfect no i i see that in a big way i feel like a new hope or star wars whatever you want to call it that that is the lightning in a bottle that that they want to recapture that any you know that anyone would dream to recapture because it's it's really the advent of a lot of ideas and so what this show does is it's showing you the advent of kind of a canon exploration of the mandalorians a, a live action exploration of the mandalorians for the first time ever really yeah. and, and it's going to establish a lot of lore and yeah. in establishing a lot of lore, it's going to set up the rest of the stories that are going to take place, you know, long after the show. And well, I think, I think much like Star Wars, the original Star Wars, it's it's going to be doing that for anything that will feature Mandalorians and man, you know, much like after the original Star Wars, anything that featured Jedi, right? It was like a advent yeah. a lot of ideas. Well, if we game out my metaphor, that means this season is going to be the best season ever. Season right. three will be pretty good, but kind of weirdly muppety. And then seasons <laughs> four, five, and six will be so like an acid be, trip. <laughs> yeah, there'll be like a lot of really good ideas, but man, it's going to be weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that could be. I, I think it, that's one of the best parts of The Mandalorian is that it, it's raised the bar in a beautiful way. I mean, because of how they've recaptured the recipe, you know, yeah. that it's not perfectly Lucasian, but, um, huh. but they, you know, Favreau and Filoni know what it takes to make a, a great story. They made it. Mandalorian is universally loved. I, I, I think that's an appropriate way to describe, you know, that. I mean, the fact that it expanded the, the you know, the um, viewer base so massively. There's even a thing called the Mamalorians. It's just like yeah. some moms that just like they don't know anything about Star yeah. Wars, but they love Baby Yoda. And, you know, and they're incorporating that in their life like. They hit it. They hit it right on the head. And so now when Kathleen Kennedy and everyone else in the organization are looking at um, the Kenobi series and the Cassian Andor series and, um, you know, all the other series that are there, they're they're going to be like, no, it has to be better. You need to talk to Dave. You need to talk to Pablo, you know, um, Hidalgo, you know, and and sort of and, and, and try and capture some of this other spirit um, to make it better, because now you've raised the bar. Yeah, um, they're I not just going to churn yeah. out star no. wars material to churn it out you know they're at least going to give their a effort and um and and they've done that with everything we've seen since yeah uh, you know lucasfilm was purchased by disney i have a feeling that's why obi-wan and cassian andor series have been i would say struggling but there's been a lot of this storytelling storyline of like going back to script phrases going back to this because I'm, yeah. I'm sure after the first season of mandalorian came out they're like oh yeah people are watching and this is the future of star wars we need to get these things right yeah. And I mean, the pandemic has a lot to do with that as well. Yeah. Um, so it, that makes it sort of gray and mushy, but um, it certainly gives them an excuse to take more time in the scripts because no one wants to rush into, you know, live filming uh, during a pandemic. Um, yep. But they, they shouldn't need an excuse at this point. I will. You know, that's one of the hallmarks of this franchise is like, yeah, the fan base will wait as long as it takes to get a first quality. Right. 
piece. It's always been my thing about episode nine. I loved episode nine. I think it's great. I really wish they had just said, you know what? We need to go back to the drawing board with with directors. Let's just take another year. Let's let it. Well, the issue is they would have released it this 2020, so they wouldn't have actually. So it would have been 20. Would have been 2021. So and we'd be here cursing know, them out for it, not releasing. I know. So let's say in a non-COVID world, I wish they had done that. In a COVID world, man, am I glad they got that thing out last exactly. <laughs> in December? Right. <laughs> I'll take it. Right. It's almost <laughs> like they they could see the future there. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Again, we don't know what goes on within those walls. No, uh, no, no, no. And I love the Rise of Skywalker. Feel yeah. like it could have been even better than that. I mean, I, okay. again, I just wanted more. Yeah. Um, Endings are I tough. What's interesting is I feel like a lot of fans are are thinking there's going to be this definitive ending to The Mandalorian. Or based on what's being said in the trailers about Baby Yoda, you know, returning to his people, that there's going to be some sort of definitive ending. To the to the to their story or a parting of ways, right? I think a parting of ways in there is a, is in everyone's mind. They're like, if you know, Mando does get him back to his people, they're going they're going to part ways. They won't be together. I can't help but think this is an endless road warrior story. This is Lone yeah. Wolf Cub. Like yeah. this is going to go on forever. I wouldn't be surprised if these two walk into the sunset. I was literally at about the very say. end of this <laughs> season, and it is just yep. open ended and yeah. ongoing. If this it's is a, a Western, road warrior tale, this is what it's a Western. Yes. You walk off into the sunset. That's there is it. no, and you, it's not like that's it. Like the, the yeah. that their journey continues, and I wouldn't be surprised because then you can also that's revisit. It. Yeah, I think you're right, Grant. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's the, the best ending, too. right? Because yeah. any ending they give us is not going to feel. No, it, it's going to be tough, right? Because we're just going to be sitting there, like, how's that work in canon? As opposed to if you just end this in season five with them, just like they're they they are the they are the Mudhorn Clan, and they're that's going it. off to further adventures. The end, right? Like that's kind of perfect. Yeah. That's that's I think the only way to end it at this point. All right. Well, we figured that out. I guess there's nothing more. <laughs> we to solved it. <laughs> but it's also a good show for Disney to have because it's endless, essentially. Yeah. Like yeah. they can always go back to it if they need to. It's the well. They've built the well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you know, as long as the the main creators of this story are are involved or can, you know, um nurture other you know creative minds to keep the same spirit as it goes forward we've definitely seen that before and seen some fall off i mean it's impossible to keep the same level of um even with the same directors you know of quality up over multiple seasons but um whatever i mean we're gonna love it it's gonna be fantastic might as well let it ride this show is perfect your two main characters are a guy in in a costume who never takes his helmet off and a puppet so yeah. it literally could go on forever. <laughs> it literally could go on forever. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, super. Uh, this is the way. Fascinating facts. Excellent. So we're going to do another fascinating facts episode today. Um, and yeah, so uh, this is me, Ben, um, reading from Pablo Hidalgo's book, Fascinating Facts, Store Lore and History from the Greatest Galaxy. Um, and yeah, so we're, I'm just pulling out a little expert excerpts here and there. Um, and I'm trying to surprise Grant and Adam, um, and see what they think about this. So this page is called sketching the Sith. Mm. Um, and this is what the paragraph says. It says assigned to develop a new Sith villain for attack of the clones, uh, concept artist Dermot, uh, Dermot power drew from his own youthful interest in martial arts to create a vampiric samurai-like female character um and the quote is i deliberately curved the sith's lightsaber 
Power says, I wanted something uh, exotic, almost Arabic. Uh, Power's sketches were temporarily shelved when the veteran actor Christopher Lee signed on to play Count Dooku, but the art was later utilized for Asajj Ventress, Dooku's deadly lightsaber-wielding protege in the Clone Wars animated series. And it has an animation. I'm trying to show it to you guys, but my Coruscant (laughs) background won't let me... Um, you guys, it's your background. To you all for cool at home. It's, so it's Asajj Ventress, but she's wearing a hood. So imagine her normal wow. thing, all in black. Her like sort of black and white strapped curved lightsaber hilts are still at her thing. But she she's wearing a hood well over her eyes. You can see her face and those like cheek lines that she has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's bald and their hood like goes over her shoulders. But the rest is like a very form fitting black uh, outfit. Uh I like this better. Like, I, I wish this was always how we looked at her. Um, the black hood really adds a lot. But, um, yeah. what Do you guys have so, any wait, notes okay, on lightsaber design? So, or uh, Yeah. So, did the curved saber start with Dooku or uh, Ventress? Well, Ventress. it sounds like Ventress, but then in the comic became art, a sort and of, then they then stole it. Became it. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, it sounds like that design, they're like, can we give that to... Yeah. Um, to Christopher Lee. Um, yeah. I mean, that is my favorite lightsaber. The Dooku lightsaber is my favorite lightsaber in all of Star Wars. And I do love, you know, uh, Darth Tyrannus's lightsaber style. It is very fencing. It's very like, I just love how much that communicates that it's just so polished and just so arrogant. Like his lightsaber style is so arrogant and it feels like a Sith style to me where he's just like, it's just like this parsity of movement right that just illustrates like i don't need to do a lot of these like flourishes because i just will own you like i just love that and i love the lightsaber design and uh they just announced that they're selling that lightsaber design at galaxy's edge so when i get down there eventually in 2024 yeah my (laughs) when my parents finally buy me my 40th birthday present which i already told them would be lightsaber at galaxy's edge i can feel my dad shaking his head right now uh that will be what will make my parents buy me i and you'll cast your ballot for kamala harris that lightsaber yes it's like that lightsaber was built for like pointing at people and calling them out like the design of it you know like that that, like clamp grabber that people use and they're too like like other can't get out there, get off their couch or whatever. They can't oh, move. yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, it was like built like that. I'm like, what is this thing? It's like you call people out. It's a bill for like fencing. Like, yeah, I guess a lot of purposes to the curved hilt, but it's a lot ultimately. of wrist work. It's that's the thing about it. I love yeah. that, Grant, because it's all ornamental, right? There's yeah. nothing, there's nothing about the curvedness I don't think that helps you. It just shows like, just like, I, I feel like it, what it kind of shows you is like, my i'm so smooth that my my style flows and it looks like curved right like there's no straight lines like it's just this well, constant movement so i'm glad you brought up forms say lightsaber forms oh yeah uh, you're welcome because this is uh clearly th- they loved this lightsaber design so much they created form two is um the lightsaber combat style that dooku uses and it was it's an old style and i would not be surprised um if we see it in um High Republic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to pull Can we up guess the, the name of it? Can we, yeah. Adam, hey, who's got a name? All right, Adam, guess that name. Uh, what? I have it in front of me now. Sarasu. Uh, uh, Sarasu. Okay, that's, that's Grant's. That's Grant's. What's uh, Adam, what do you got? 
Uh, Gleeblex. I don't know. I don't <laughs> do names. I'm not Gleeblex creative. is form nine. It hasn't been created. Okay. Uh, Sarisu, I believe, is form three. That's um, I, got, I got a name right. I got a name. Yeah, you, that is that is an actual uh, combat point. name. Yeah. That is uh, Obi Wan Kenobi's defensive style. Uh, but uh, form two is known as Makashi. Oh, I do remember that now. <laughs> Um, in his graceful style, specialist form for duels with opponents belonging to the Sith Order, form yeah. two relied on careful and controlled strikes instead of power and strength. I think it was meant to be like a classic fencing style as opposed yeah. to uh, yeah. you know samurai style. Um, I'm gonna beat myself up over this for like two days. <laughs> I'm gonna sleep. Just check on because I don't want to say. Um, I don't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> That's why I love that that form because it feels so different yeah, than any form. other form we've seen. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess form there one is, is that... Chicho. Um, two is Makashi, uh, Sarisu. Anyone want to uh, guess on form four? Can you stop saying anyone and say Grant? Because uh, you're starting four. to like, I wait, so we did Sarisu's three. Um, the first one's, uh, uh, is like a Taru one? Is that one? Oh, that is four. That's four. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is impressive. Um, wow. That guy's. I have nothing in front of me right now. That's the aggression form right there. Uh, Yoda's style and Qui-Gon Jinn both use form four. <laughs> uh, form five. Grant. Oh, man. Uh, come on, guys. Don't put me on the spot for another one. I don't know. I can't I believe honestly we've got, we've got <laughs> yeah, you already win. You're already yeah. good. Like you're fine. I, I could I couldn't name these. I, I know I could name. Pod is I, like could name I, I could know. probably name I three. I remember reading them, and I just remember like my brain going, "I'm never gonna remember these." So I'm is just it like D. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> well, it, it's it actually has two names, but one of them starts with a D. What is it? So it's it's called Shen and Gem. So, uh, Jem is spelled D J E M. I like Jen. Uh, Jem So was possessed, uh, specially designed for a lightsaber to lightsaber combat. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Underlying factor, but it's very nuanced. It's like a, it's like a evolved form of uh, three, I think. Uh, and it was for form five because it relies less on acrobatics than some of the other forms. So it's like a pure lightsaber. Uh, form six, you I will give you a million dollars if you can name form six without Googling it. Uh, it's Niman. I couldn't have pulled that out of anywhere. Um, Niman, it's the way of the Rancor. Oh, that's right. Uh, and oh, so it's this one uh, combines many styles. So this is like Drunken Master, I think. Oh, uh, there you go. First form that did not have a signature fighting technique, but also the form that did not have a particular weakness. Uh, seven is uh, Vapid. Uh, also called Juya. So, and Vapid is the cool one. That's the one um, that uh, our guy um, Mace Window used. Uh, window. Did I call him Mace Window? <laughs> you did, because he died going out of a window. I did yeah, that, that was a Freudian slip. Well, did there. Um, and also, I believe Anakin switched into that from time to time. And <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, that's a little lightsaber down the old uh, rabbit hole there. Um, so. But yeah, but so it's interesting that Asajj Ventress was actually created before there was Count Dooku. You know what really grinds my gears, guys, is like <laughs> Darth Maul. Your gears. <laughs> Darth Maul. There, there's iterations of Darth Maul that was this this awesome kind of uh, Sith. Yeah. Yes. Keep going. Just, I think he froze. <laughs> I think he just froze. Oh, he just dropped. He just left. 
That was it. He just, <laughs> just said that. And... You know what grinds my gears and then lost connection. Yeah, he's like, Darth Maul drops the <laughs> mic, literally. So while we don't have Grant, my question is, um, I trying to figure out like where I first encountered the light, various lightsaber forms. And I feel like it was in a video game. Yeah. I can't remember what video game it was. Cause I remember it was like a thing where you could read it and I'm reading it and I'm like, this is not relevant. I'm never going to need this information again in star Wars. It's just for this game. I and think it was Jedi Academy, right? I think you're right. And then it was just like all over the place suddenly. Right. So it was one of those things where I'm just like, this isn't, this is just a video game speak. And then I was just like, Whoa, actually, no, this is, real stuff yeah um yeah yeah I'm, we'll have to do more research on it and um and see what's going on because i i do think it's sort of fascinating um all of them combined i'm trying to see if this says where they start about it blah blah, blah. wow Anyways, yeah, there's it's a deep rabbit hole of lightsaber forms, which um, I can't wait to go down. It's reinforced in the um, Path of the Jedi, uh, which is not canon, um, but I recently read it and they they talk about that. And um, I really hope that High Republic talks more about these styles and we see more different styles and sort of the, how they're actively trained and what's predominant and what's not. And um, they really go into that. And I mean... We're going to get these first in, in books and comics, so we'll see how descriptive they are with their fighting styles. But um, somewhere Grant's talking to nothing right now. I know. I wonder if he still <laughs> thinks he's still on the call. He's, he's still, just he's like he's ranting. Like, he's like in another thing. Um, sorry. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I'm hoping we, we get some of that and then ultimately get it in live action. And like they really, you know, flesh this out because... People, hey, there's Grant. Um, all right, you know what really grinds my gears, guys, <laughs> is we've gotten all these like female dark lords teased, but we like like Maul was supposed to be a woman at one yeah. point. Or those iterations of of Maul as a woman. There was there was a lot of Ventress being drawn around the time of Attack of the Clones. And we never got her in live action. Snoke, JJ had revealed that Snoke was was ideated as a woman at one point. Uh, we've really never gotten like the really awesome kind of like dark lord, like female dark lord. That I think we've always kind of wanted to see because yeah. that would be a really fun character, especially in live action. I mean, Asajj is a great yeah. character. Um, and you know, I think the next trilogy of any kind is going to explore that idea. They are definitely do. If you're, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. If you're, you're playing the numbers game, um, I, I could. Would bet that our next next Dark Lord would be a female. We'll see. We'll see in the High Republic because that would be a, a fine place to introduce that. Um, but I, I would love to see it in live action. I mean, we got in um, Rise of Skywalker. We talk about it every show now um, that we, we got Dark Ray. And so we at least glimpsed what it would look like. Yeah, but, we got a little glimpse of it, but it's like which, and it was awesome. You know, it was yeah, put in the trailer for a reason. Important. It's important and it's it's deep and it's interesting and I, I it's just territory we haven't really explored yet. Worth exploring. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, um, anyways, that was um, our fascinating fact for today. Um, yeah, fascinating. Fact. And I guess the <laughs> unless uh, you two have any other comments about um, uh, Duku or Asajj. Oh, actually, I was going to mention um, the. Did either of you watch the Tartarovsky Clone Wars uh, animations? Yes. Yeah, I mean, they're, a long time ago. they're yeah. fascinating. I have them on digital video disc, Grant, if you have a <laughs> player. It's uh, a way oh. of 
transmitting information that was used predominantly two decades ago. I'm about uh, to get in that bubble over there, Ben. Yeah, come on in the bubble, man. We we get tested, <laughs> kid. Want want to binge like both seasons? Show up in a full blown Vader costume. Yeah, it'll take you all of three hours. <laughs> yeah, there. I, I I recently pulled them out of my stack. I just happened to be reorganizing stuff, and I found them again. And I'm like. I want to keep these handy because they're fantastic. I'm actually going to go. Are all the Jedi stuff. dialed to like the max in that show? It's like, oh, yeah. Just open. Yeah, it's very anime like. So yeah, very, but they're, yeah. it's lovely storytelling. It's, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the yeah, the Mace Windu episode, episode is fantastic. It's just beautiful. I actually want to, I, I never really gave Samurai Jack a chance. And I, and now that I'm like so into Ghost of Tsushima that um, I, I, I want to try it again and see if I can get some of that. Uh, from there, and um, and I, I loved the Clone Wars things, and they they actually did a, Filoni did a pretty nice tiptoe around uh, the stories that were in those uh, Tartarovsky stuff. Um, it, it has probably the most compelling version of uh, of Dar- um, sorry, General Grievous. Grievous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, great Yoda stuff in there. Um, there's like an armored uh, Obi Wan Kenobi facing off against this like armored tentacle monster on like a speeder bike like um that's right like you combat like open field combat everyone on speeder bikes like it like yeah like um what am i trying to say if the the cavalry sort of like a a cavalry battle like in star wars um it's gorgeous they do a great like uh special ops mission with four uh special ops clone troopers i mean yeah, I mean, Filoni did an amazing job with the seven season animated series, uh, but Tartarovsky really just like every episode and they were like little vignettes. They were like 15 minutes um, each, but you can get the DVDs online where they daisy chain them all together and they tell this sort of narrative story. Mm. Uh, and uh, and it's awesome. It's super, super great. It's I mean, they're highlights, all, all of them. So um Anyways, that's good stuff. And so, so Asajj, I think, showed up before we really even knew um, Count Dooku. Actually, no, that's not true because she was Dooku. They show the origin story of Asajj Ventress there, sort of like one of the the early um, things, even though it's probably retconned by the recent um, audio book. But was Asajj uh, not just a mole design from Phantom Menace? Or no, apparently this guy Power. Was the one who designed him, designed oh, okay. her. Father. Um, so yeah, so it's a little bit the her origin story is different from the the recent um, Jedi Lost uh, audio book, um, but it's awesome. It's it involves a combat pit and um, yeah, so yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, we're viewing, and if you want to, you know, bubble up and um, you know, hang out, wear Darth Darth Vader costumes and uh, watch some Tartarovsky, maybe order yeah. some pizza i'm in uh breaking news all right so i'm googling as i do uh the lightsaber styles on wikipedia uh they are canon um oh good which is good i think yeah they brought in eight of the styles but what's really interesting is like in the appearances section at the very top it says the high republic number one the comic Oh boy! So I don't know if someone got an advanced copy of that and has updated updated it, but Ben, I think you're right. We're gonna definitely see that stuff in there, which makes sense, right? If they're going high fantasy in there, that's very 
much a part of fantasy novels is combat style, right? So that that makes a lot of sense, sword styling. So anyway, just thought you'd like to know that. That seems to be happening. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense in comics and novels. They can really flesh out the styles and then show them off in live action, um, assuming it gets there at some point. Yeah. Um, and that would be that would be great. I mean, we you know, they talk in Jedi Lost about Dooku. They talk about him adapting the long lost form two style. Right. Um, Akashi. Um, and they're like, oh, of course, like Dooku would pick Makashi, you know, because um, he was, you know, high born and thought he was better than everybody. Um, but uh, yeah, interesting. Can, can I read the very end of the Makashi form? Sure. <laughs> I think it's funny. So basically focused on facing a single opponent and the avoidance of being disarmed by an opponent while sim- simultaneously working to disarm them, which he literally does to Anakin. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah, in truth. Before, before he is duly disarmed. Yeah. In more, right. more than one way. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah the, the Path of the Jedi goes into that, like, when to take an arm off and when to cut someone across the middle. It's just sort of like, you know, different levels of combat and when to, you know, it, it's it's a frowned upon to, um, to, to dismember your, your combatant. Um, but... Yeah, Path of the Jedi, I would suggest reading it. It's it's a good mm-hmm. read. Um, all right, cool. Well, that was our, um, that was definitively this week's fascinating fact. For real. And um, yeah, so thanks everyone for listening to us. We appreciate it. Um, we love you all. And uh, we can't wait to talk about Mandalorian season two next week. Ooh. For real, we're going to talk about episode one. Um, so strap in. Get ready for that. Um, Hope you enjoy it as much as we will, undoubtedly. And um, let's talk about it next week. May the Force be with you. Always. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you always. Always.